Hi, this is Patty, and thank you for listening to this previously recorded episode of GalaxyCon Live. We'd also like to invite you to check out our other shows, Rock Around the Ring, featuring music and wrestling guests, and GalaxyCon Talks Comics, all of which are available now on Facebook, YouTube, and anywhere else fine podcasts are available. Welcome, friends and fans, to another episode of GalaxyCon Live, where we are bringing the convention experience directly to you. And today, we'll be going to the Marvel Netflix universe, and with two members of the Defenders. So without further ado, let's bring out today's guests. First, she is an actress whose roles include Don't Trust the Bee in Apartment 23, Gravity, and Breaking Bad. Today, she joins us to discuss her role as Jessica Jones. Please welcome the always lovely Kristen Witter. Hi, thanks for having me. Oh, so good to have you. How are you doing in your part of the world? I'm good. You know, I'm not leaving the house much. I have a baby, so that's... Oh, is my baby daddy now? <laughs> <laughs> um, I'll just join the, the, the Q&A. All right, get out of here. Big fan, dude. Really, seriously, big fan. Oh, did you hear that? <laughs> I'm in his, his studio now, and I don't usually spend a lot of time in here, and it's really hot, so. Oh, oh my God. How do you like get it nice and cool in here? Yes, yeah, so I have a baby, so I'm so I'm I'm very busy, and it's the it's the best to have him. You know, he's just the most amazing distraction from everything, and keeps my hands very full. Absolutely, absolutely. And next guest, he is an actor whose roles include Million Dollar Baby, Men in Black Three, and Zero Dark Thirty. Today, he joins us to talk about his role as Luke Cage. Please welcome the always awesome Mike Coulter. Hello. Hello, sir. How are you doing? I'm great. I'm great. Hanging in there. Yeah, yeah. Everything okay in your part of the world? Well, based on the numbers, no, but where I'm sitting, it's okay. All right. Yeah, I'm, I'm in Orlando. We're spiking as a hot zone, so. I was going to say, yeah. Yeah, I heard about yeah. that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, you know. Better late than never, right? Yeah, I guess so. No, it's okay. We just put on our mouse ears and we trudge on. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I got to ask, that is an interesting bit of artwork you got behind us. What is that? You know what? This is actually a phony piece of artwork that I'm actually shooting something in my house right now. Oh, really? And this room is being used as the uh, set. So this is something I stuck on for the character. And so it's kind of like, this is not really what the room looks like. But yeah, that piece of thing that stuck back there a couple days ago. Wait, wait, wait. How does this work? How are you, how do you film? Are you using your phone? Do they send you equipment? It's cool because, you know, Netflix, so Netflix has, I guess, given the, um, an opportunity to do eight episodes, uh, eight episode anthology with the creator from Orange is the New Black. Cohen, uh, Gigi Cohen. And so they have eight episodes and all the characters are actually at home and they're quarantined and it's a character study. So it's eight parts. And I'm playing a character who was in his apartment in New York and he is stuck there by himself and he has a lot of stuff going on. And it's basically telling you the story of his day. And it's pretty traumatic from, you know, beginning to finish, well, not from beginning, but by, by the end you're going, oh my God. But so that's what the world is like, you know? So that's what we're shooting. I'm doing everything. It's weird. I'm shooting, like they gave me all the equipment. We're on Zoom. I'm doing the, the set design. I'm doing the costumes. I'm 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 getting the camera set up. We're doing what iPhone 11 Pros. I mean, it's pretty cool. The sound, everything. But it's it's I, I'm learning a lot. But it's also very tedious. I'm the crew and the person. I mean, it's everything. I'm. It's crazy. It's That's like so fun. Yeah. How long does it take every day? It's gonna take. We're doing like eight hour days and it's like five days. Oh wow. Yeah. yeah. This I is know. so perfect for you because you are so unable to sit still or stay home. What? I'm at home and I'm doing something. Yeah, perfect for you. I'm bouncing off the walls, literally. I should have said, that's when I had somebody could help me out. I should have said, of course I have somebody someone can help me out. Kristen will come right over. I'm going to walk by and try to get in the show. I know. I know. Hey, she's in New York. I've been so proud. 
So that piece of art is a directorial choice. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> awesome, awesome. What I would love to do is for uh, for our audience, I, I would love to hear how you each individually came into your, your Marvel roles. And I also just want to say thank you. Thank you both. You both really breathed absolute life into both of these characters. You know, Mike, of course, uh, you know, there have been a lot of permutations of Luke Cage in the comics. They picked the best one at the right time and absolutely brought it. And Kristen, it was so weird because Jessica Jones to me is still a fairly modern and a new character and you made it your own. And I know for, for years, I still, when we go back to doing conventions and I hope to have you guys back on our stages in front of your fans, I just love seeing the cosplayers <laughs> as Jessica Jones. Me too. It's they're, the just, they're just it's a the legion. It was a nice alternative to some of the other female characters, Harley Quinn, Harley Quinn, uh, that I, well, we won't mention here. But you have you have both been a, a great inspiration of fandom, and thank you. You're welcome. Thank you so much, man. Absolutely, absolutely. So, uh, when did you get the call uh, individually saying, "Hey, uh, you want to do a, a comic book show that's not going to be like other comic book shows"? Yeah, I I had an audition. I had just like been released from another contract the day before, which was such perfect timing. And I was I got a call that, you know, Netflix wanted to see me for this superhero show. I didn't think I would get it, but I was so happy to be like free of my contract and able to like go to an audition and like be in the mix. I was like, okay, I'll go. I'm never gonna get that, but I'll go. And then I read didn't hear anything for a long time. I feel like it was maybe like a month or six weeks or something. And then I just found out like, oh, you're in the mix for this show, Jessica Jones. And then I went to a test and my culture walked in. It was just the two of us for a while. And I was like, obviously that's, that guy's getting the job. (laughs) (laughs) He read together a couple of times over and over and over. And, and then, you know, both of us ultimately got the, got the gig. Yep. Good old fashioned audition. Good old fashioned audition. The old, the old school. That's how they wow. do it back in the day. Nowadays, man, they offer most things, but nah, back yeah. in the day, used to audition. Or you're doing it off the phone or whatever. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. I got. I, I love. I, I love. And it's almost romantic now to talk about like going into a room with three or four people. How are you doing? Okay, let's see what you got. That's... No, no, I don't know about that. I, I, uh, I, I, I didn't love that part of it. I mean, that's that's really? a part of it, but. No, I don't love it. I, I mean, you have to, you have to grow to love it. But in hindsight, when you get away from it and you haven't done it for a while, you start to realize, wow, that's really intense. Because it you know, so it's, yeah, it's so intense. I mean, we go in there and you walk past the people. I still remember that day, a small room. Walk past the people that are watching you. Go from the back of the little theater to the front, and this is a stage, a very small stage. It was very like brightly lit, and, yeah. you, and you're trying to play these characters, and you can't really see the people who are watching you, and. They'll give you like yeah. some little feedback and then you'll start talking and 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 whispering and then you'll go back outside and then you'll come back in again and yeah. maybe somebody else will go home early and you're wondering that person who went home early, does that mean anything? <laughs> I've been I've been through all of that. I know exactly. Yeah. I I yeah. It's uh you gotta be gotta have thick skin to be in this business. Mm-hmm. Yeah, gotta have thick skin. Uh, speaking of thick skin, uh well, how did uh, how did uh Luke Cage come out for you? When did you come on in and, and start to well so um, similar to Kristen, there was a contract involved, except I was still in my contract. I was still under contract for a show. And at the time, I think it was uh, TNT. And then they were switching, I think Fox, somebody, I think the guy head, head of Fox had switched over and they were doing some some serious shifting there. So it was a pilot and the pilot didn't get picked up the first time, but then it held me for another time around. Mm-hmm. And I think, if I'm not mistaken, 
I was already shooting because they picked it up and we were still working on it or they hadn't picked it up yet. But then after I got in a mix for Luke Cage, they picked it up. So it was like, mm-hmm. well, that's um, I'm not sure how I feel about that. So eventually I had to get myself out of that contract between the time of actually getting the offer. It was like, OK, you have you have the offer and you have like 14 days to get out of this contract. It was like a time, you know, oh, wow. everybody, the lawyers and everybody in the studio was trying to get it done. And and I was on vacation in the hot for the holidays. And um, I was in Paris, no less. I mean, you know, how, how, wow. how, how, how fun. And I got a call. And uh, that was that was like, I don't know, a couple of days before Christmas. And it was like, hey, you know, the, the paperwork is finally done. Now you actually are officially you have the job. So I got the offer, yeah. but it was a really weird sort of feeling because I was like, this is great. But now can I actually make this happen? Because I've heard horror stories where people, they wouldn't let you out your contract. And it sounds like insane, but sometimes yeah. you just say no for whatever reason. They just go, no, nope, not going to do it. Sorry. And what do you do? You know, complain. I remember when I got the call that you were finally cast. Yeah. Like, just I thought they were calling. I don't know what they were calling about. They're yeah. like, "Want to let you know, like Mike Holder." I was like, "I thought he." Yeah, you were like, "Um, I thought it was confusion." Cool. <laughs> like, everybody's not in on the mix, people. We don't know that there's just what drama's going on back back yeah. behind the scenes. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you you both get signed. Did they? Did they have the whole plan and let you in on it? Then they were like, "Okay, Jessica Jones. Okay, we'll bring you in on that. Then we'll do a series. Then we'll do, then we'll all bring you together for Defenders." Or is mm-hmm. this a one step at a time? No, it was all of it, and that's okay. why I think they put us through the ringer so much with the audition process. Mm-hmm. Like Mike was saying, it's like really nerve wracking. And at that time, I feel like in the beginning of my career, when I was auditioning like four or five, six, sometimes more per day, especially during pilot season, you're like in it and you're like, your muscles are strong. But then like around that time, I wasn't, you do, I didn't really do that for a mm-hmm. while. So it makes you so nervous. Like even now, like the thought of going to an audition is like, oh my God. I know. <laughs> but, uh-huh. but, but yeah, it's, it was all of that. And that's why they put us to the ringer and it was such a big job to get, you know, it was like a greenlit series and another greenlit series. It was a really, really big job to get within the industry at the time. Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, pre- pretty much just as you know, as Kristen said, is like they were basically green lighting you for like. I mean, for me, in my, in my case, it was three series because I was going to be in half of her show and then yeah. go to my show and then defenders too. So I was like, basically, it was pretty much going to be working for the next three years. You kind of like was all right. This is going to be working for three years, and so it was sort of overwhelming. But you couldn't like think about it that way. You had to just get the job. But it was really. Yeah. It was because they hadn't even get gotten they hadn't even found the person who was going to write Luke Cage yet. So I was really auditioning for Melissa, trying to get the, the job via, you know, the vehicle of Jessica Jones. So yeah. it was sort of an interesting way of getting the job, sort of getting the introduction to Jessica Jones. It's you know? so weird, right? To have two different writers too. Melissa and Shay yeah. are both so different. So different, so different. And and then we had another writer for Defenders. And so, you know, they didn't, They I don't know how much they had in, in uh, input in that, as you think about it. I, I don't remember. I knew they were in the mix, but they had a writer for that too, two different writers. So, yeah. And yeah, even Charlie had a writer, writer every season. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I mean, it, I assume it's safe to, the, to assume that Jeff Loeb was still just, he was the, the funnel, that everything still flowed through him. You had to, well, he, had to he had to prove everything. I mean, he, he had, he yeah. had, a, he chose the writers and approved everything, but yeah. so yeah, every everybody, you know, Jeff Jeff had to see a pass on everything, you know, to get it through. Yeah, and absolutely on both your respective shows, it gave uh, writing and directorially, it gave wonderful opportunities to people. Yeah, it did. You had a, you had a really deep writing bench, a really deep director bench, and mm-hmm. absolutely gave a lot of opportunity to talent that maybe the system hadn't hadn't uh, been able to give that chance to. 
Yeah, it definitely showed. And He's again, a special kind of person to write on Marvel. So you gotta, you gotta, gotta, you know, Marvel's a, Marvel's a special kind of beast, you know, for, for actors and writers and directors for that matter. And I mean, yeah. at the time, Jessica Jones was the first female-fronted property that Marvel had. Yep. Luke Cage is the first black-fronted show that Marvel had. So that was a really big deal. I remember feeling like it was a huge deal and a really special. We've gotten very used to, uh, you know, the streaming format where an entire season of something gets dumped all at once. When the shows came out, it was still a new concept. And even Netflix was rather daunted. At, they really thought that people would watch these shows once every couple of days. And the, the concept of binging hadn't really set in yet. Mm, yeah. Yeah, we were new. I mean, Netflix. We were on the first show. Yeah. yeah, you really were. Yeah, we were the first show. And, and Netflix was really taken aback at, it's like they, they burned through the entire season in three days. Yeah, uh, we were too. We're like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, we were like, "You finished? You're you're finished in three days?" And I like took us months, and you're finished, and now you're asking when the second season is. This is insane. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't know what to make of that. Yeah, uh, there were there were, yeah, you'd see reviews of the entire season overnight. Yeah. I watched all episodes, and this is that. Yeah, it's the worst kind because how could you possibly be coherent and literally watch eight hours of or what, thirteen hours of television and be like following along and not? I mean, that's insane. Uh, well, 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 and that, and that was where you discovered the power of fandom. Yeah. It's so exciting! It's exciting to be a part of of the early, like, first wave of Netflix shows because when Jessica Jones was launching, Netflix wasn't even global yet. No, it's so right. we traveled the world yeah. to not only launch our shows but to launch Netflix mm -hmm. so, territories. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very true. Brazil, right? You went to Brazil. Brazil. France. Yeah, me too. Berlin, London. Spain. Korea. Yeah. I went to Tokyo. Tokyo. Wow. I went to Tokyo. Yeah, yeah. I love Tokyo. All over. Yeah. Yeah, this is a this is always an interesting thing that people don't understand about the entertainment business is that when these projects come out and you know the talk shows and the day shows and all that stuff, then yeah, you get scooped up, you go to another country and do the whole thing all over again. Mm -hmm. Another yeah. country after that. Another country after that. Sometimes you don't even really know. Um, three days, maybe. If you're, if you're lucky, you get three days. You know, if you get, if you're lucky, you land. You have the next day, and then you take off the next day. Maybe if you're lucky, or maybe you have one more day, but that's very rare. Sometimes you land. You literally do it that day or the next day, and you're on a plane that next that same day while you're you know. So you left two days in there. You know, you just barely get a good night's sleep. Absolutely, absolutely. Do you uh, do you have any very fond recollections of the set? Any particular stories, humorous or otherwise, that stand out? I, I mean, so many. I think, especially like as time passes, it's it's so awesome to see like who you keep in touch with. I keep in touch with a lot of people from the crew, and obviously the cast is really close. All the inside jokes that we on Jessica, we always had like a lot of like weird '90s movies references. That was always really fun. But that, that always, like, you know. Nailed it. Between the scenes, I feel like, was the most fun for me. <laughs> well, I, music, of, I mean, Mike was always singing 90s music. Well, yeah, we, I mean. <laughs> Black Hole Sun. Black Hole Sun, yeah. I mean, we loved, you know, Nirvana, you know. any Anything from the grunge era was pretty much, you know, that's right now we are house. Yeah, grunge, and then also a little, like, home alternative. Love. Yeah, home, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, alternative grunge, all that stuff. So cool. Excellent, excellent. I know you get constantly asked about a return to the character. Let me just prep, let me just 
state it like this uh, for our audience. If a platform is found to resume the series and resume the roles, where would you like to see the characters go? I mean, I don't, I mean, for me, I mean, people are always floating the idea of seeing the alias because I'm reading the alias, you know, novel or book. And I was sort of really curious about seeing Jessica Jones character go into the work mode of, you know, life after, you know, the baby Danielle, like, because it's been gone so long. I think it's, I mean, what could have happened? What could have transpired in the time in which we've been away? Yeah. I, I would feel weird to sort of take up, take it right back to where we were, because I think realistically people have sort of felt differently about it from three, four, five years, however long that would be. And then I feel like it would be really sort of natural. It would feel natural to sort of go into that segue because I mean that for me anyway, I mean, Kristen now has a baby. Uh, I have kids, you know, one of my kids could play one of the kids. I mean, literally you could just yeah. like grab yeah. one of these and, and I got, I got, I got a young one. And I got an older one. So they're kind of both the two girls. I mean, both could be Danielle. I mean, Daniel, yeah. one, it's one of those things where it's like, all right, well, we could see what that domesticated life looks like. And it'd be, I think it'd be fun. It'd be funny. It'd be interesting to see her try and start out into the, into that world of journalism and, or reporting and being working that thing and trying to be the mom. And then, Luke Cage trying to figure out what he's doing at home with being a dad. You know, it'd be fun. Yeah. We've never seen characters. I mean, we've never seen characters like these, period. But to see characters like that with those backstories and then step into that other role and other world would be so crazy. Yeah, yeah that'd be- it, it certainly would. And, and really, for in the comics, it's writers always try to grapple with portraying a marriage, let alone a stable one or whatever. But uh, Jessica and and Luke have remained, and uh, certainly thanks to uh, you know Bendis is uh, setting the tone for it. Mm-hmm. It's it's held up very well. So yeah, I would love to see, I would love to see a, a live action and reimagination of that. Through, yeah, uh, good idea. Yeah, and I really I really like the idea of a time jump rather than just pick up right where it left off. Yeah, because there'd be so much. We could, that, that could have happened and it'd be fine. We, we wouldn't have to answer those questions. It just, you know, time elapsed and we could make a reference to maybe all that stuff that happened in the, in the cinematic universe in one way, shape or form, but not really have to talk about it at all. Really. It could just be. And yeah, yeah. It, 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 it could great. Well, for the, the, uh, the other series too, Wilson Fisk could be mayor of New York and mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> other things yeah. too. So, yeah. all right. So there we go. We got, so a good bank of audience for our audience. So let's go ahead and I'll ask Vendette, our producer, to roll out our first question. And this comes from Mike. Were you at all familiar with the characters before you got the role? Oh, the oldie but a goodie. You know, ultimately, I had heard of them quite a few times throughout my lifetime. You know, Luke Cage, because it's such an interesting name, Luke Cage, Luke Cage. I, I'd, I'd hear the name, but I had never had access to the comic book. So because I had never seen the comic book when I was growing up, in the region of the world that I was in, the country I was in, I never had anything other than just, you know, information via via word of mouth. So I'd heard of them, but that was about it. Fair. Did they throw any at you when you got the role? Did they say, oh. okay, here's here's a here's some here's some trades and stuff like that? Or oh, did yeah, they no, say- I got, so I got so I took a lot of my my information from Bandis's book because it was pertinent to read that because I was going to be going into Jessica Jones series. So mm-hmm. I wanted to sort of feel like that that was my entry into it. And then the other stuff I read, the other versions, but Think about the other versions. Of course, they had Iron Fist, that that team up of, the, of Iron Fist and Power Man. But what I what was cool about going into Luke Cage, I knew that we had freedom to sort of change the change the the whole narrative with Luke Cage and kind of create 
what we wanted to because ultimately we wanted him to feel modern and feel like something of the time. So yeah. Cheryl, we kind of just started from scratch, really. So we didn't have to really yeah. you know, behold, be beheld to some standard of what the comic book said because it didn't really matter. They, they yeah. immediately changed so many things. I mean, in Jessica Jones's series, they actually she killed my wife, right? And that, so that was not necessarily, we didn't know that was gonna happen. I think Cheryl actually planned to put her in the series. So that changed quite a, quite a bit of stuff for us. Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, were you familiar at all with with your character, Kristen? I wasn't. I wasn't at all. I didn't have a real knowledge of of the superhero world or the comic world. I'm from a farm in Pennsylvania that wasn't like part of the vocabulary. I had an image of what you know female superheroes look like because of the images we have all seen. And it wasn't until you know I read Brian Michael Bendis' book, I was like, this is the first word. You know, is fuck. I think. <laughs> uh, it's like oh now we're talking yeah it was so dark and and very adult and not at all what I had in mind and I was so thrilled to get such a juicy character um yeah. really best best role ever excellent Mike thank you for starting us off with that a classic you're right a classic chestnut this one's Stan did you ever think there would be an action figure of you made? And what was it like seeing yourselves as toys for the first time? Oh, it's so cool. I have them all yeah. myself. Yeah. Love it. Yeah, yeah, that's, <laughs> yeah, that's, listen, I mean, I, I think it probably had crossed my mind at some point, even though not realistically, because you go, when you're young or you think, how do you get an action figure of yourself? It's really no easy, it's no real you know, simple answer to how you get an action figure. Yeah. <laughs> how does that happen? I don't know. And so to have that happen, you're like, this is so cool. And then the other thing is like, you know, there's always that joke. What are you doing? I'm playing with myself. You know, you got your, you got your action figure. You're playing with myself. Yeah. You know? it's, just, it's just like you can't help yourself. It's just, it's just one of those things where who can say that? Who can say I have this little doll that's sitting next to me that looks like me? And I can just, I mean, I grew up playing with action figures. I only had two action figures. That was how broke we were. That's how poor we were. So I'd take the same action figure until the arms fell off. And I'd play mm -hmm. with them and imagine stuff. So to imagine having your own self, that's crazy. <laughs> indeed, indeed. Stan, wow. thank you. Good one. And what do we have next? From Crystal. Ah, what goes first? The cereal or the milk? Cereal. Yeah, is that a, is that a question? That you is a question. I, Mike, you know that place in LA, Salt and Straw, that ice cream? Yeah. Cream? Absurdly sweet salt and straw, yeah. Right now they have a flavor. Oh, the cereal? Yeah. That's like, it's called Pot of Golden Rainbows. And it's basically like all the marshmallows from Lucky uh, Charms. That's, they're going to get shut down. They're going to get shut down. People still never give them diabetes. That place, I mean, salt and straw, no harm. No, 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 you know. So that's it's wrong. It's just wrong. <laughs> uh well, Mike, you haven't asked the question. Is this cereal oh, uh, for our milk? Yeah, well, I'm, I'm with her. I mean, is it is it a question? Of course, you put the cereal first, and then you put the milk because then you can sort of. You, how can you possibly judge how much milk you need in a cereal until you see it hit the cereal and then let it drizzle through, and then you can sort of watch it and go, okay, that's a good amount. It's still crispy enough at the bottom. You can see it, but the cereal's on top. You don't want to. You don't want to just bathe it in milk. It's not about the milk. It's not like salad dressing, which is just a conduit. You know, then the salad is a conduit for the dressing. I understand that you want to drench, but but not with milk. It's a cereal you're after. Otherwise, you just drink a glass of milk. Yeah. No brainer. Detailed on that one. I'm like, what absurd question. <laughs> it's come up before. I'm beginning to think there are people coming here just to ask there's that a, question. There's a cult <laughs> that's, that's sitting around right now with bowls of cereal. 
talking about that. There, I think there's somebody who pours the milk first who's waiting for somebody to agree with them. See, I told you. Looking for a friend. Looking for a friend. There's no friend, buddy. <laughs> well, Crystal, we hope uh, we gave you the validation you were looking for. Okay, next question. From Caleb. Which Avenger would you most want your character to team up with? I, I, you know, Jessica is such a lone, you know, I, I feel like she doesn't play well with others. So I don't know about, about a team up. What about, what about, is, uh, is that, is that Gambit or something? Maybe Gambit. What, is it Gambit? Who, who's, I'm trying to think of a dark character that would be good for like, like maybe that would be like sort of like. Gambit's actually pretty happy-go-lucky. He's, he's pretty like happy. the cool. That might be good, though. Hey, Sherry, sure. yeah, he's got the French, and the you, Cajun you, accent. Yeah, and... you play off of that. I think that might be cool. Gambit's kind of funny. It's kind yeah. of funny. Yeah, I think that would be a good good yin and yang. I'm over suggesting stuff for her because she's like, I don't want to be with anybody. I'm like, come on. How about Gambit? <laughs> <laughs> Weirdly <laughs> enough, I, I, I'd, lo I'd love to see Jessica in Captain America. That would be talking about, you know, <laughs> Mr. Bright and Sunny. She, she and fun of him all day long with that suit on. Probably easily call Mr. Flag or whatever. Yeah. How about you, Mike? Uh, who would you, uh, who um, would you pair Luke, Luke up with? Well, obviously, people go, you know, you want to see Danny Rand, but, you know, which would be the obvious choice for most people. But I was, I kind of always think back to maybe like Spider Man, you know, Spider Man would be kind of cool. Yeah, Spider Man, usually who I think about. Not a problem with that one. Cool. Caleb, thank you. What's next? From Jack, who were your heroes growing up? Oh, for me, I, I didn't really realize that, you know, the people I, I looked to and really admired their work were like Jim Carrey and Adam Sandler. I watched a lot of SNL and, and In Living Color. That was, mm. yeah, The Wayans Brothers. I loved that. I loved, I loved those shows. That's pretty much what I watched on repeat. That was a really good era for comedy. Yeah. That really was. Yeah, and they just made funny faces, and they, they kind of would, would do anything for a laugh. You know, Jim Carrey, I was such an artist. Just, just on another level. How about you, sir? Man, there's so many. I guess, you know, recently, because I was watching another documentary, which, you know, I kind of was, I'm catching up with documentaries now, just because I have some time. And, um, and nobody just likes watching them with me. But I think, I think like, again, Bruce Lee, you know, I'm like, I was watching Bruce Lee documentary the other day, and I was fascinated with his life, his life, in general, in such a short lifespan, he was one of those people, you know, he was not a part of the 27 club, like the Joplin and, and, and the Hendrix and, you know, Winehouses, I think he was 27, but 32 years old, I think something like that. You know, what some people are able to do in like a, such a short amount of time in their lifespan and such have such impact and just, and he's always at what could have been, what, what, because, what, you know, Bruce Lee is like an icon. And to imagine if he were still alive today, he would just be he would just be like royalty, you know, in so many ways and, and, and so many like at cons, at, at, at oh. MMA fights, at, at any fight thing, at any at any sort of I mean, so many ways, you know, like he crossed so many, so many cultures and look, people looked at looked up to him so many ways. And, and so when I watched his documentary, I learned so much about his struggle and how he's fighting for, you know, equality and stuff like that. And, and, and it, that's what sort of connected with me. But I didn't know that when I was a kid. I hadn't. I didn't understand it. I, well, all I understood was that he was fighting this, this sort of conform, this conforming, 
entity that was controlling everyone, but I didn't understand what that entity was. And I understand like how he differed from them and why he seemed to be different and why he had this magnetism about him. But I met his, I met his daughter probably last year, I think at an, at a radio interview, Sharon. And it was so cool just to like see somebody like, Oh my God. I mean, like it was, it was weird. I'm, I'm starstruck by his daughter. And I, you know, it was like weird. It's like, Oh my God, you're Bruce Lee's daughter. And I was like, Ugh. yeah, <laughs> that was kind of one of my heroes growing up. And, um, and yeah, yeah, just because I just saw it, I just thought about it. Yeah. Uh, that's a good choice. Uh, when I went, when I was able to go to Seattle a couple of years ago, they were like, "You want to see the Space Needle?" No, I want to visit Bruce's grave. Yes. Bruce and Bruce and Brandon. That's cool. Yeah. Oh, he's in there, in Seattle. That makes yeah. That's right. Yeah, side by side. Yeah, brought brought him back. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so. good. So yeah, guys, Jack, great question. Thank you for that. Ah, what do we have next? From Maya. Oh, she has a burning question. Has the culture of being in the acting world changed you both as people? You know, not, I think there's levels. I think, I think the more famous you are, I think the more it changes you or, or may, may not necessarily changes you, but people around you may change. I think, I think, and then as a default, maybe sometimes that affects you. I think when you first start working, if you're just working and you're not famous, it's like, it doesn't change that much. And I think that's the best way to, for people to get into the business to like have it sort of, if it's going to happen at a major level, not happen right away that way. Because first of all, you're probably not going to stay that way. And then second of all, you never have any sort of ramp up to understand what life is about and what the work is about and what the craft is about and just working and being a working actor. So you don't want to get, you don't want to get distorted. So I think my, when I first got like Luke Cage and people, and, and you know, cause like Kristen said, it was like only like three or four things on Netflix at the time that were of consequence that people remember. It was like House of Cards, it was like Orange is the New Black and got something else. And then it was like Luke Cage or, or like, it was like all the Marvel stuff. So for a minute there, it was so intense sometimes, especially living in New York and working in New York. It was so intense sometimes. I didn't, I didn't, I mean, I'm, a, I'm like Kristen, I'm a loner in, in real life as far as Jessica. Like I walk around by myself a lot. And so that was sort of weird. And I, I, I literally started buying all these hats. I never wore hats before. I was like, I was buying hats and shit. I was like, I didn't want to, I just need a little more sort of like, you know, just a little yeah. bit of like that. And so it just changed a bit of how I, how I felt sometimes. It was weird, but you know, you get used to it. But yeah, um, yeah. For, for a bit there, it started to make me a little weird. No, 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 no. It's, it's, that's, that's very good advice for anyone who's, even considering about going in that world. I mean, you can't control it. I'm just saying how it would yeah. be nice if, if it happened that way. But sometimes, you know, people get famous from the first thing they do and all of a sudden they're like, you know, this is this is it. This is how it works. You know, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> We've all watched a few E! True Hollywood stories to see oh. how that happens. Yes. Yeah, it's rough. It's rough. Indeed, indeed. So, okay. Hey, yeah, thank you. Good one. From Harmander. Hi, from Scotland. Well, thank you for joining us. What was the last uh, theater or film you saw before lockdown? Well, I was, for me, I, I had a baby, so I was on um, my maternity leave, and I don't have a nanny or helper or anything, so I've just been in baby world, and then we've been in since he was five months, so I've just, like, extended. <laughs> I'm on a very long maternity leave, which is, is awesome, so I haven't seen a movie or... God. Oh, I saw, you know, I did see the Breaking Bad movie because I went to the premiere when he was six weeks old, that's but that's fair. it. That's that fair. Anywhere. I haven't been anywhere since since my baby was born. I haven't left him once. I, that's, I don't have to apologize for being a mother. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, he's like way more fun to me than going to a movie, right? But now everyone's at home, so there's like no FOMO. Yeah. Speaking of a little ah, one. Look who it is. The older version of Danielle. 
pop, pop in. Raise your head. Raise your head. There's it. There you go. There you go. Okay. Uh -huh. Major appearance now. You want to see, see your whole face? Now I can get out of here. Okay. There you go. There you go. Hi. Bye. 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 We did not hear for you. Goodbye. So, you know, last movie, last movie I saw before, before lockdown was, uh, oh God, um, Parasite. That was just before. Yeah. That was the last thing I saw. And it was great. And, and, it was so it's so odd, you know. Our our culture is like everyone was like. I think the Oscars. I think I saw saw some of it. I think I saw maybe I recorded or maybe I just saw like the part, certain parts. I remember seeing the win Best Picture, and you know, just so funny because most of our culture and most of the people in our business, they were like shocked and didn't even know what the movie was. And I and I and it's just like you know, <clears throat> like a lot of it's it's not indicative of anything because I mean I remember back in like two thousand and. I want to say five, the lives of others won best foreign film. And I thought it probably could have won best picture easily, but it was just like a category. It's like, okay, well, it's a foreign film, so it'll win best picture in foreign film, but it won't, or best best foreign film, but we don't really consider that a, a part of the. So it's interesting how that works. Yeah, a lot of people went out and saw it after the fact, but when I, when I saw it before the Oscars, for what, was, for what was competing, I just went, well, this is the most innovative and sort of fresh idea that's out there. And this is really well done. And, and, and it doesn't have a, it does have a political thing to it, but not really. So yeah. I thought it was clever and I really appreciated it in every way. And it's a very ensemble cast and really, really good story. Well shot, well, well directed. Well, that director, I think it's the, is the coolest director working. Yeah. And I hear it's not even, that's not even his best one. He did um, Snowpiercer. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's a bunch of like Korean Mm -hmm. film that he's done. I watched, I met him for Okja a long time ago. Oh, so yeah, I yeah. watched everything before I met him. Mm -hmm. And Adam and I watched them like back to back. He's like really doing something cool. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And thank you, Harmander. Let's do another one. Oh, Krista, by the way, you know they built that house. That that house in the movie, they built it for them for the movie. It was just built for that movie. Where, what, where? They're in Korea, but, it, but it, the house didn't exist before the movie. They built it for the movie. I wonder who lives there now. I don't know. I don't know if it's functioning though. I, I think it may be. I would, you know, you would think it'd be great to do that. Build it really, and then sell it. Yeah, <laughs> a lot of money. That's what I would do. And here's the basement. Yet another piece of uh, real estate for you to, you know, who's going to stay in the basement? <laughs> oh my! Hey, this one comes from Christy. They would like to know what would be your alternative career to acting. Ooh, if you know, so, I, I something in the arts, something creative. You know, acting at this point is like a part of what I do. I love like development, writing, music. I also love knitting. Anything creative. I'm kind of always finding a, a scheme to to make a buck or a way to express myself in some creative way. What's the uh, What's the favorite thing of yours that you've knitted? Oh, um, you know, a lot of stuff for the baby. Lots I got a people. I, oh. I made Mike. He's got a she's got a blanket. Yep. Niles has a blanket for me. I, I love giving gifts. I also I just I I I've always been one of these people who like never knows what to get someone when a birthday comes up or when Christmas comes up. But when I have like the inspiration to make something for someone, the actual doing of it is it brings me so much joy. I know it sounds so like grandma and cheesy, but when I have the idea to make something for someone, I love it so much. And then giving it to them. It's just like, that's, it's just, it's like made my life like so much richer in this way that I really appreciate. Have you ever done Jessica Jones-esque scarves? Oh yes. Oh yes. <laughs> I have a knitting kit that resembles it a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. 
Nice, very nice. How about you, sir? What would you be doing if you weren't doing this? You know, if I weren't doing this, I would, I mean, it's kind of, it's still creative, but it would require me to go back. It would require me to um, have taken a little bit of a different direction in, in my education. I would probably want to be an architect. Like, I, I love design. I love home design. Like, I love, like, I can sit and watch, you know, houses and shows about homes, high-end homes, homes that are just, you know, unique. There's a show called Extraordinary Homes on Netflix. I don't know if you guys have seen that, but it's it's like about, it's 15 episodes and it's just okay, like fantastic homes in the world. Is that the one with like the big airplane wing as part yeah. of it? Yeah. yeah, and the two guys are, and, and the two people who are always talking about describing it use the most profound words to describe everything. Nothing's ever been. It's like the most ex, ex, extensive vocabulary of any two people I've ever seen in my life talking about these homes and walking through and just breaking down who built it, how it was built, and it's so unique. And it, I mean, literally all over the globe: India, um, Switzerland, Belgium, Brazil, Miami, you know, California. Just phenomenal homes. Yeah. And and always these homes also have one thing in common. There's no no expenses spared. Like there's no there's no budget. I've never not one of those homes has a budget. When they built it, it was just like build this home, have a vision, because most of the architects get to just influence the people who want it. So the people who want it say, this is kind of what I want. Then the architects can just do whatever. And there's literally no budget and they just design it and whatever it takes. I mean, they, they fly pieces of the homes in on helicopters. Some of these places are inaccessible by foot. One, wow. one place, had, it's just amazing. So to be an architect, to sit there and figure out how to make the most impressive thing you've ever thought of in your life because you have no budget, that's that's amazing. You know, these, yeah. I mean, unbelievable. It's really about having... For, for me, like, and it sounds similar for Mike, it's about having an idea and yeah. executing it and bringing it to life, which is like, for me, development, knitting also. That's why I love directing so much, like having a vision and executing it. I think yeah. that is find a way to do that. I know. Get, get, get that frame up. See what you like. Yeah. Oh, it's like the best. <laughs> I love it when a shot looks good in editing. Perfect. Thank you, Christy. That was a good one. What do we have next? From TCO, do you have any hidden talents? I don't know if mine are very hidden just because, like, if I'm, like, even remotely a little bit good at something, I, like, do it. Yeah, yeah. I don't keep it to myself, right? Like, well, I can do that, so I'm going to do it. No. Yeah. I can play a lot of musical instruments. Yeah. God, I can't think of anything that I'm talking this is my hummingbird. Wait, hold on. There it is. Uh, there you go. Oh, is that Adam? So that, that, that was yours. Oh, nice. My vintage hummingbird. Vintage. Like Bruce Springsteen. See, you see hummingbird. Wow. I know that means something, but I'm like, it sounds expensive. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, I, I definitely bought myself that as a present. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, yeah. It All sounds right. cool, though. I mean, I don't really know how to play. I feel like anybody can sound good on that. They'll tell the fans we're going to be raffling that off after the show. We're not raffling. This is what I'm keeping. <laughs> Maybe one of her scarves. I imagine that, yeah. guy, that would be that would make a cosplayer's head explode if they could wear that and it was knowing it was made by you. That's a good idea. I never yeah. thought that. We would talk about it. Maybe we do like a charity thing, something like that. I would, I'm in. All right. All right. All right. All right. All right. My people will talk to your people. Yes. Do it. 100%. I'm in. Absolutely, absolutely. So TCO, thank you. That was a great one. And from Jason, you both filmed with icons like Tommy Lee Jones and Scorny Weaver. What have been some of your pinch me moments of people you've worked with? Oh my God, Scorny Weaver. 
I've worked with her twice, actually. And I think the, there was a review of the Defenders. No offense, Mike, but it said the headline was like, Sigourney Weaver and Kristen Ritter, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh, oh God. Yeah, you're like, my name. My oh, name is Weavers. So that was pretty, that was pretty major. And she was, when I worked with her years and years ago on an Amy Heckerling movie, I had to go to, my, my papa passed away and I had to go to work, you know, and that was so brutal. And I was in such rough shape and she just kind of like hurt, knew what was going on because I was trying to keep it private. And she just came up to me and like gave me a big hug and was really nice to me. And I was, so you, you know, one of my first like big roles and here's Sigourney Weaver who you like don't even want to bother. And she was, she was awesome. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. yeah Sigourney was like, that was a heavyweight. I was, I was, I was shocked. We, I was shocked. She was, she was, we worked with her early. Honestly, she came to the defender. I was like, wow. wow. And I was like, what? I was like, every time she came on set, I'm like, um, okay. Yeah, yeah. When she was announced, I was on stage. I was on the opposite side of that stage in New York where it did that too. And everybody turned to me because I was the nerd and like, well, who's she playing? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I, I was like running off my list of Marvel villains she could possibly be. And I was like, I can't. And then, of course, it was an original creation. So, well, well, Chris, remember, remember they did the 1A, 1, 1B, 1C, 1D on the call sheet? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I was like, that's how that's how much weight it was. Like, no, she can't be five. She can't. Right, right, can't right, right. <laughs> yeah. So, on all of our shows, we're obviously, we're all like number one on the call sheet. So, they put us all as number one on the call sheet for the Defenders. Oh, that's great. We're all number one. That's, <laughs> good. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. It was fun. That's absolutely good. good. Jason, thank you. This is a solid one. Let's do what do we got next. From Ryan. Ah, I, have you taken anything from the set? I should have taken so much. So I had so many pairs of like amazing jeans that were all like tailored for me that I wish I would have taken. Yeah. And I also. I, I, there's something else that I did get my hands on that I don't have it yet, but you have there's, boots. I, there's something that I took, but I don't have her boots. <laughs> you better have some, at least five there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I didn't get so bummed that because they were all like custom made for me anyway. I know they don't care. And this, I've, I've learned in this business, when they make something custom for you, build it from scratch, it doesn't matter. They don't really want to give it to you. And that started like probably like maybe like, Oh, I don't know, five years ago. Like, yeah. it started, they stopped giving stuff away. Like, it used to be, like, one time they used to give you stuff. I, I don't know how long ago. And then all of a sudden, they became wise to people who they could sell it or something, you know? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Something to that effect. Yeah. So everything just sits in, like, an archive or, or, <laughs> or yeah. Yeah, I, I, I always start conflicting this right by these. Sometimes they're like, oh, the property, we oh. gave you this, gave you that. And then some people just... Michael Rooker was on yesterday and he got this question and he was like, Oh, I have no idea how uh, all this stuff ended up in my trophy case. I haven't a clue. It just showed up. Yeah. Yeah. That would be my advice is if you can take something, just do it. Just because time will pass. Nobody will know. <laughs> you got to take something. <laughs> so Ryan, we hope he answered that question. We have time for one more. So I'll ask our vendetta to pull out a really good one from Lurie. In your evaluation, how does playing of these iconic characters contribute your inspired debates of representat representatives and gender equality in our global society? Yeah, it's 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 wordy, but basically, how how does it feel to hopefully yeah. advance, move the needle uh, socially I mean, and politically? You always hope and wish that your work is even seen, and I think the fact that 
I, I, you know, with Luke Cage as well, but Jessica, for me, in my experience, that really started some real conversations about sexual assault, about trauma, about how, about a female lead who didn't really look like female leads we've seen, we had seen before. So the fact that we were contributing anything to, to society or moving the needle was major and meant so much to me. I had, I still, and have always had so many women come up to me who are, you know, victims of sexual assault and felt represented by Jessica who weren't, who, you know, who saw themselves in her and how she existed in the world. Uh, And that that's huge. And I, and I feel so grateful to have been a part of something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I think like, you know, representation, right. You know, it's supposed to be something that, you know, you start there and so people can see themselves and, you know, going back to Bruce Lee, when I was younger, I didn't really realize that I couldn't be Bruce Lee or somebody like Bruce Lee. But what's so cool about him is he did train African Americans and Black guys in his in his in his, in his school. You know, and which was which was unheard of back then. No one, no yeah. no, no Chinese American Chinese instructor would use would give his information or his 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 his, his craft to uh, uh, an African American or Black yeah. guy, someone outside of the culture that wasn't heard of. That like people talked to him about that. Like, what are you doing? Like, that's just not. We don't do that. It's and so he didn't care. He said, "I will teach this to anyone who wants to learn," and so. It was inclusive and it was groundbreaking. So I think, you know, representation, you know, having, like you said, is global, right? So this show went across the world and, you know, I can go to Korea and people, you know, there have seen it, you know, Philippines. And that's amazing, you know. So somehow you are able to sort of connect with people and via via a vehicle like Luke Cage, if they can get into the story and understand something. I mean, they might come to New York, which most of them sometimes do. They get on these tours in Harlem and they'll go get on a bus and they just want to go past the corner where Pop's Barbershop was. And I've, we've been filming there sometimes and they're, they're there. A year later, we're filming the sex season. They're coming looking and what do you know? We're filming again. But they came to see that's one of the stops they wanted to see. Like, I'm going to go to New York. Let me go to Harlem. Yeah. You know what Korean Philippine guy wants to come to New York? They can go to Harlem. Of all places, there's so many places to go. So it's kind of cool. Absolutely, absolutely. Larry, thank you for that. That was a good question. And GalaxyCon viewers, this has been my time with the cast of The Defenders. Gentlemen and lady, it has been a pleasure to host you today. Any final words for our audience before we go? Thank you so much. This is, you know, we Mike and I were supposed to do a, an appearance together around this time. Yeah. And I was looking forward to it because like I've been at home with the baby and I'm glad that we got to at least like make it up in some way and, and connect with our fans. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you guys for, you know, tuning in. This is new for us too. We really wanted to sort of, you know, we really wanted to sort of try to make, connect with you guys because obviously we, I'm used to getting on a plane, coming out and meeting you guys, shaking hands, doing all that stuff, which is, you know, a pleasure. I come out, you know, usually the energy I'm getting is what keeps me going because these events are huge and I know the fans look forward to them. So it's great to sort of keep this thing going and hopefully we'll see you guys in person at some point, you know. I also want to say, this is today Worldwide Pride Day, so I want to say happy Pride. Oh, yeah. Happy Pride. Thank you. Pride. Absolutely, absolutely. Thank you all so much. Thank you both for joining us today. It's been an absolute delight. Bye-bye, everyone. Take care and please keep washing those hands. <laughs>